0: What's happening, runners? Welcome back to another episode of the Trackster podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and of course, everything in between. My name is Lloyd. I'll be your host for today's episode, and today I'm sitting down and talking with NN running and Nike professional athlete, Mark Scott. On today's show, we sit down with Mark and we run through everything from his recent engagement, where he's at with his training right now in the build to Seville Marathon, the switch from Bowman Track Club to NN Running, and much, much more. Now, if you do want to follow along with what we're doing at Trackster and this podcast, please do head over to Instagram and drop us a follow, and also check out our website, trackster.com. That's where we put all of our longer-form content from our YouTube channel. And finally, if you'd like to support the show, please do leave us a review, which is now available on all platforms. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mark. Scott. All right, let's get into it. So Mark, welcome to the show, mate. How are we doing?
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, things are going going well. Um, obviously coming off the back of Liverpool at the weekend and moving forward, uh, put the slight misery behind me and we'll go on and get into some marathon-specific training now and some road racing. So I'm excited for that.
0: I suppose I should start the conversation by saying congratulations. You are now engaged. Off the off yeah. the back of a fresh engagement, talk to, talk to me about that, mate. Was you nervous when you popped the question?
1: Yeah, I was nervous. Uh, I I had it planned. Didn't think I would be too nervous, but um, yeah, it's just there in the moment. You've built it up yourself and to a couple of people who you wanted to tell. Um, so I was nervous. Uh, got it done. Nice romantic setting in Dubai, um, and yeah, it all went smoothly. All in all, so yeah, appreciate the congratulations as well.
0: It must have been a bit of a quick turnaround, um Dubai into Liverpool. Is, is that the prep that you was expecting? Um I probably
1: should have come home a day earlier, looking back. Um I did look at changing the flights, but they just got super expensive, so came back on the Thursday, got in the car, big drive on the Friday, and then obviously raced on the Saturday. Um the legs and stuff didn't feel too bad. The biggest con shock were the conditions, obviously. I've not run on the mud since Cardiff and then um the weather it was over 30 degrees every day and it's still classed as their winter at the minute. So I didn't think it would be quite so hot for training, but I feel like I did some good stuff out there uh, and it did bring me on for Liverpool, but the conditions were just a little a little different. So um no regrets though. Was always in the plans to go there. Um my brother's moved out there, so we went to visit him. Um yeah, and just get some good, good hard training in 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 the heat, obviously, they say it's a poor man's altitude, came back from Font and then went to Dubai. So kind of extended those that simulation, really.
0: I was chatting to a few guys after Cardiff, between the Cardiff Cross and the Liverpool Cross, about preparing for cross-country races. Obviously, you went to the NCAA. You did a lot of cross-country racing out there. You've done cross-country racing over here as well. You've been successful in both. Are you an athlete that... Needs to do work on the grass, like sessions on the grass, to to prepare for cross country, or do you think that you get fit enough by doing your, you know, your standard sessions, whether it be on track, road, etc. I
1: would, I would like to think in the past I I would get fit enough doing doing my normal sessions, but I don't think with the conditions we're facing in Cardiff, Liverpool this year, I don't think you can get away from from doing stuff on the grass. I think most of those top guys have all been doing stuff on the grass you can see everything from Strava and whatever else these days. Um, And those are the ones who seem to have the most success on the day. So yeah, I've not been on the grass. I've been on the grass twice and that's the two races I've done. And obviously that clearly showed. Um, And I think moving, moving forward into the races I'm doing, I probably, you'll, you'll see a difference in me with, with the terrain I'm going to be racing on. So.
0: Yeah, I know that you've uh, you, you know you've made it public that you're going to look to the roads, and you've already had success on the half marathon, and you're going to step up to the marathon. Where are you currently at with your training? Because off the back of Liverpool and Cardiff, I know you've had some injuries. Uh, where's everything at right now?
1: Yeah, so even not making on the making the team for for the cross, it it gives me an extra couple of weeks now. I feel like for that marathon prep. Um, at the minute, the goal is to do Seville as the main main goal race. And then I've got a few. I'm going to do Telford in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I've got Ribble Valley 10k planned at the end of the year. And then moving forward, I'll, I'll find a half and then, yeah, do hopefully commit and, and do Seville. That's the plan at the minute. So
0: You have the course record for Ribble Valley, am I right?
1: Yeah, you are right. I don't know quite. I think it's around 28, 30, something like that. I think it's pretty similar to the yeah. course record at Telford. 28
0: 2832 ish, I think. I think, yeah, they're like, um, they're, they're the two 10k's around Christmas that are, that are always well supported, uh, because they, they are so fast. And it's nice that you are doing sort of some homegrown races, if you like. Um, and that's what brings me on to my next question. Previously, Bauman Track Club, now NN Running. And I know you've been training in Kenya, you've been in America for a long time, you've done some work back home as well. Like, where are you based now? What is your setup? Um, because I just feel like for your athletics, I have no idea at any point where you're at.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a bit like up and down and all over the place, kind of, really. Because um, at one point, I thought I was going to be going into the Captagat the camp in Kenya. Um, that's not come to fruition just yet, but we're still working out pieces there. Um, not for me to live over there by any means, just to go and do long camp stints there. Um, but yeah, currently me and my fiance now um we are living just south of london uh near gatwick airport that's where she's based and doing work out of um but it's just it's a bit of a struggle in terms of treat all the little things which make an athlete the treatment the the training partners and like the small that you can commute to do sessions and stuff but you need a small commute i feel like it's most ideal and even getting to long run for me on a Sunday is like over forty five, fifty minute drive to Swinley Forest to meet the guys and stuff like that. So we are in the in the midst of moving. We're gonna be heading further up north. Um location's not pinned down yet, but probably Birmingham will be the further south we're gonna look at being um based moving forward, just for in terms of us both being closer to family and then just more for a training group uh based around me as well. So
0: yeah, group is obviously so important, and I know that having a group atmosphere that's, thats kind of been part of your bread and butter as you've become a professional athlete at university out in America. You know, we see these groups are just incredibly strong. Uh, the camaraderie between the group, when you was with Bowman as well, that that strengthened the group, and and then also harness that that group and mentality. Mm-hmm. But obviously, in Africa, you know, the other side of the other side of the world, yeah. um, we've chatted about, we've chatted about the group. The importance of a group of this podcast quite a lot and in the UK I think that once you get to a certain level of, of ability you actually do struggle to find a group that you can you can work with so I suppose that all of a sudden your your options options are limited but I think we've got obviously the hubs in Leeds we've got Birmingham some fast fantastic uh, groups from you know Birmingham with the university um, is there sort of an ideal setup that you want is it something where you want um, you know athletes to just just get you through the sessions or are you looking for a sort of hybrid of a solid enough group facilities that are going to do the job treatment on your doorstep etc like what's the ideal setup for someone as someone as fast as yourself
1: yeah for me treatment is probably one of the biggest things Um just with the flurry of injuries I've had recently um and now going to chuck on some extra mileage and longer sessions I feel like Finding a good treatment setup for me. Obviously, I'm supported by British Athletics on, on the funding plan. So there is options there. But yeah, for me, treatment's number one. Um I don't necessarily I want I, as much as I'd like ten guys in a group, that's hard to find in the UK. It's not it's not a common thing. A couple of guys and just somewhat a coach at the side of the track, because obviously I'm still self coaching at the minute. I'm working with three of the guys at British Athletics with Steve Vernon being the endurance coach chris jones does strategy race planning things like that and then i work closely with andy shaw as well for physiology um we're doing a lot of lactate testing and uh like altitude tents things like that so we're kind of hitting using the three of them to guide my training at the minute and but it's just nice to have someone on the side of the track or on the on the bike next year with, with a watch and i think that's I would probably take that over a big bunch of training partners at the minute. Um, But yeah, those are the the two key things for me, just the treatment and, and so on coaching right, right on, on my doorstep pretty much.
0: What's the process of you, of you coaching yourself because uh, having influences that you've had in the past, you know, kind of so much experience in those coaches. How do you, how do you sit down? And so I know you coach yourself a little bit as well. How do you sit down and, and think right this is this is what i need to do when for so many years maybe someone's done that for you
1: yeah i feel like because i've had such good guidance over those years um and i know what worked well for me it's pretty much just picking stuff which i've done in the past and i know i know helped me a lot and which i enjoy um doesn't become a struggle to get out the door by any means there's there's no day where i'm struggling to get out and not want to go training um so I feel that's that's a big big thing for me. Um, I've had some great like experienced coaches in the past, and they've known me well enough to know what works, and I've just kind of picked picked that, and then I'm getting little bits off Steve and off Andy Shaw, and who've also been around a lot of great people. Um, and just putting that together. Um, and yeah, just not overthinking it really, just getting it down and getting the
0: miles in. So joining joining NN running, I mean, massive announcement for for British athletics. You know, we don't see many Brits head to that team. Obviously, the first we saw was Jake Smith, and then followed by yourself. What was it about NN that was appealing to you? Um, you know, talk us through that whole that whole time in your life.
1: Yeah, um, obviously we've we've mentioned the having a group for me and a, a setup was very beneficial and that's something i didn't want to leave behind um and obviously they're pretty the biggest probably the biggest group in the world and especially with me relocating from the us to come back to europe um i wanted some sort of team environment and i thought that was the best way of getting it and that's kind of how that came about uh, me joining the team and just at at that time the the times the guys were running kipchoge bakili it was like, why would you want to go anywhere else when you can have that set up? Um, fortunate enough to be able to, to join join those guys. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much, I was like, there's no other team I'd, I'd want to join.
0: And then running seemed like a Manchester City man, like just an absolute powerhouse in the game right now, where they're obviously supported by Nike, they've got other supporters as well was you surprised by the support that you do have access to or was it kind of part and parcel i'm a nike athlete it's the same old same old
1: yeah because at first i thought it was just a nike kind of group and they give you a bit of money on top and wear the best sort of thing but yeah the the actual the business is actually pretty incredible which yoss has got going um yeah, and all these extra partnerships and things we can benefit from, even even like the, like the camping cap to get, for example, it's all these little things which come together, which actually make it very impressive. Um, and you can benefit from so many things than than just wearing just wearing the NN vest.
0: You mentioned earlier in the in the chat about you coaching yourself, and you're lucky that you've had such great influences in the past, and kind of helps you just set what you know has worked for you in the past. What are the things that you have learned from some of your coaches in the past, like Jeremy Schumacher, you know, legends, legends in the game, what were the things that you've maybe almost forgotten because you've learned now growing up as an athlete from these from these influences?
1: Yeah, I feel like um it, it's hard anyway, just the hard work actually really accounts for a lot in this sport. And a lot of people think, Oh, you can you can get by with kind of doing minimal when it's some people maybe can, but the majority ninety nine percent of people can't in the sport, and that's something we were reminded of and a lot by Jerry. It's like it is gonna be hard um probably the hard like it's hard as you pretty much make it, and that is really what drives you in the sport to become better and to achieve those results um and just all the the small sacrifices you have to give up if you want to be the be the best um and sometimes you're like, oh, I don't need to do X or Y to to achieve your goals, but it's pretty evident that a, a couple of weeks, a month goes by of missing missing a bit of gym or missing whatever it may be, and that actually really does put a dent in your performances. So it's just it's just things like that which Jerry was really good at reminding us about, um, which actually they go, it goes a really long way.
0: So, Mark, you said that you're now going to change your your focus to the roads, I suppose the question is in the simplest terms is why? Because you're so successful at the track uh, from a British standpoint, but even a world-class standpoint as well with the 5,000 metres world-class level. What is it about the road that has drawn you in and why now? Why at this stage of your career?
1: Yeah, I guess the easiest thing, the first thing is money. Um Yeah, I've got a good Nike contract and things like that, but I think there's a lot more potential to make more money on the roads based off what I've done kind of in kind of the the, the times I've run on the back of a track season I think I thought if I give it a, a bit more attention and focus try and see what we can run it opens a lot more doors in the future and and for bigger parents fees and and things like that so that was that was one factor um and then secondly I noticed that the game on the track was just moving on a lot um every diamond league's a a twelve forty-five. If you're not in thirteen-minute shape or better, you're getting left behind, and your opportunities are just you. You're gonna you go with a pace and you blow up and run thirteen thirty, or you, yeah, or what you're gonna run a, a huge PB. Um, so I just I just felt like have I quite reached? Maybe I've reached my ceiling on the track running twelve fifty-seven. There might be a little more, um, but I'm just coming off like. I had obviously a terrible final year on a track and just with the three big championships, the Worlds, Europeans and Commie Games all coming at once and all not going great, I just kind of wanted a bit of change of stimulus um, and I just know the track work is very hard to do in the UK on your own, all this specific 5K, 10K stuff, Um whereas I, I had to lead one rep in the past for a 10 Let's say a ten mile session with the guys, um, and a specific speed session, whatever on the track. I'm leading one rep, and you've got ten guys pulling you through, and that is very difficult to do in the UK. Which is why I think we've not seen seen many standards from the guys based over here at the minute. So, um, two things, yeah. Wanted to change the stimulus, and the the money was a thing as well.
0: Yeah, that's 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 cool answers, man. Because it gives us good insight. I've got a lot of friends that are road runners of good level, and they talk about the money all the time. And it comes from sort of different different avenues. You've got your appearance fees, you've got your contract bonuses, um, etc. But I didn't actually realize the money that events do pay people to just turn up and stand on the start line right. and get over the yeah. first ten meters. And it's 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 insane
1: the the thing yeah that that is the thing um, I think people don't realise until they actually do anything a couple of these races will will be the same as my current contract for example for some people um, and and that's a big thing when there's not a lot of money floating around in the sport um, I think it is it is getting better but it's just not where it probably needs to be um, you can make more in one race than you can some people on the whole Diamond League circuit for the whole season so that is another another thing as well.
0: So, when the marathon beckons and when it does happen, whether it's when it whether it's going to happen in Seville and that's going to be your best ever one, or it's going to be years down the line, you've got to be surely having one eye on that British record, my Farah's British record. Is that something that you look at and you think, like I'm a twelve fifty seven five k guy, like I know I know I can do this one day.
1: One day, yeah. It's not at the forefront of my mind. Because so I know that a lot can go wrong in a marathon without even doing one. Um, first thing starts, I want to get that Olympic stand, standard nailed down. And if I have a good debut, um, then, yeah, I feel like I have the resources in the marathon to, to look ahead and go for some a British record like most. Um So, yeah, definitely in the future. Who knows what the first one will bring and then we'll probably go from there. And Yeah, but it, it's in the back of my mind, definitely.
0: And when you look at your running sort of toolkit, if you like, what strengths do you think you have that you think, do you know what, I think I can run a good marathon because I'm really good at X?
1: Yeah, um, for me, it's because I've done years and years of long, like endurance, hard aerobic running, Um, starting out from when I was at university at Tulsa. um, We didn't really do any speed work there. We didn't. We didn't ever touch on that, and the longer reps came pretty natural to me um, and then that fed me into Bowerman, which is pretty much the same system they do obviously do do a lot more speed work than we did at Tulsa, but um the long hard aerobic running miles two miles like big twenty miles on a weekend on a Sunday at altitude, I feel like I was pretty well suited to that sort of running and kind of being uncomfortable for a long period of time, I thought one day I I want to do a marathon and give it a good crack. And that's kind of where it's come from. Just years of good, good strong running, which I feel like will, will translate really well.
0: So how are you going to attack the marathon training? What's your, what's your sort of philosophy? Because we see, I mean, the whole world at the moment is caught up on this double threshold thing from, I mean, it's been around for decades, but obviously it's, it's very prominent at the moment, but, We've I've spoken to a few of the Australian athletes uh, that kind of do two sessions a week and then like a hard long run. Other athletes do three sessions a week. What what's your what's your how are you going to go about it?
1: Yeah, um, for me and a setup which Jerry would do with his athletes, um, one one big session a week and one kind of harder long run with a session in it, and then just fill the rest of the week with miles. Um, and then probably a medium long as well. So I don't feel the need for probably two sessions. I think if I get one good quality one in, um, let's say that would be on a Wednesday, medium long Friday, and then we'd go long on a Monday or a, a Sunday or a Monday. I feel like that would that's enough quality in there for me um, to reduce injury risk rather than doing two two big sessions, and then you are getting a good two good long stimulus in as well so and like I said just pack the rest of the week some with, with some easy running and good mileage then I think that's the way I'll go about things
0: so obviously I know you're still building up um your training and and, and no doubt you're not at your, your peak volume yet but can you give us an insight into what what training looks like for you right now
1: yeah just at the minute like I mentioned with with these 10k races I'm still doing I'm doing longer sessions like even today example I've got 15 by a k on the road with a minute rest Um, so that's that's my session today I ran 20 mile long run on Monday coming off coming off the race at Liverpool just to again to reduce injury injury risk I don't long run on the Sunday I take the Sunday easy and then I put the long run on Monday so on Monday I did 20 with the first nine miles outside in the cold and then my last did a mile warm up on the treadmill jumped straight onto the treadmill easy mile and then I did 10 progresses from six flat down to 505 so that was 2020 20 for monday i'll have that session today um and then this week i'll just be long run again on sunday so this week for example 20 miles of the monday i'll have 18 18 19 on sunday so there's two good long stimulus already and then with the session in the middle so that's kind of where i'm at i'll probably look to be 90, 95 miles this week and then just keep gradually building from there um, into Telford and then into the new year. So that's that's just where I'm at right now.
0: And what's your, you know, in terms of like fueling, sort of marathon fueling with gels and drinks, have you done much of that in the past, whether whether it was when you was doing 5K, 10Ks or whatever, or is that still something you're ironing out?
1: Um, well, I was supposed to make my debut a long time ago in the marathon, um, but obviously injury set that back but I've done a lot of fueling um in in the past um not with just all since I left but I was practicing two three times a week anything over like an hour's run I was practicing fueling um just stashing bottles getting someone on the bike um, and doing that and obviously on training camps it's a lot easier with someone on the bike coming along and just just passing it around so But I've done a lot of that in in the past, and British Athletics actually got me set up um, at one of the hubs, Leeds Beckett. They had, I did a fueling testing day. Um, So it was a 90 minute treadmill test. I did 30 minutes at six flat, and then 30 minutes at 530 miling, and 30 minutes at five flat miling. That's not even, none of that's even at marathon pace yet. Obviously, we're looking at 452, 453 for that Olympic standard. So, um, but we did some some testing <laughs> in there with fueling so and fast. It actually yeah it, that's what it is it, it it's like i did that 20 mile on monday and i was like i've not even done one mile at marathon pace so <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate i'll let you carry on about the fueling sorry it's yeah. just that's mind blind it is yeah exactly but yeah so i did the fueling um typically we're looking at most runners would look to do 80 grams of carbs in an hour and i'm NN is sponsored by Morton. So we have that connection there. So I'm using Morton products. Um, stay away from the gels. I'm just using the drinks. Um, and I was actually, it wasn't by accident, but when I started fueling myself, a standard Morton bottle, I'd put in a 320 and then I'd dump in a 160 on top. So that's pretty much like, well, that's, that's a lot of carbs. Um, and I was actually absorbing it really well and not getting any stomach issues so we kind of tried when i was doing the testing to 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 do 90 grams per hour instead of 80 grams per hour and the body responded really well we got some great numbers um i think that was because i was putting a lot of carbs in that bottle when i was out training just loading it up and the numbers we got were, were really good so we're gonna we're gonna go for a high amount of carbs like higher than most other athletes probably on the start line um, yeah and the bodies actually took it on really well so I'm excited for that and yeah the testing staff for all we're all pretty excited to see the numbers of the of something they've not tested before
0: and with your you know your history of injuries of late and you said about the importance of, of treatment I know that strength and conditioning is is such a important part of your training but also for a lot of runners will that change at all when you're training for the marathon or has it changed at all or do, or do you just continue what you were doing because it's worked well
1: yeah it has changed in the sense from when i left the setup in the u.s um i'm working with uh mj a guy at british athletics based in loughborough um and i go and check in with him and we we've done tested in the past and what i need to work work on um so we've kind of, we've come up with a routine which kind of hits everywhere I feel it needs to. It's not, a lot of people don't like going to the gym because it's 90 minutes, two hours out of your day, but I can knock out my session in 45 minutes, just do it a couple of times a week. I did. For me, it's those those little things, it's, it's the glue uh, for my training, it sticks everything together and it keeps me in one piece, so, um, or hopefully it will now. Um, obviously, like I said, missing, missing sessions here and there, it just kind of takes its toll and then injuries start to crop up. So um, it's a big change from what I was doing at, at Bowman, but um, a change which was obviously needed for me. And obviously with with the high demands of, of the mileage on the road and stuff, I feel like it's, yeah, we, we should be good to go there.
0: So, Mark, you've been i would I would say i wouldn't I wouldn't say lucky because you've earned it, but you've trained in some of beautiful locations around the world America, Kenya, Gatwick, you know some amazing yeah. places. but where would you say where's the best place to train in the world for you
1: um yeah, for me, it would be St Moritz um you've got the altitude stimulus, obviously it's not too high, um so you can do some good training there. You can drop down and go on a track in Kievna if you need to, sea level pretty much. And it's always warm down there, so that's one benefit for that. Um and then for marathon stuff, endless trails. You've got hills if you need it. And just down, just down from Kievan in the next town over, you've got uh and it's called you've got an airport, which is pro- I think it's Europe's most expensive airport to fly into, something like that. It's pretty crazy. Just all these private jets are coming in if they wanna. St. Moritz for a weekend and obviously in the winter they all they all go skiing and stuff. So um there's a I think there's about a five K loop around the airport, Pancake Flat on road. Um and yeah, it's just a marathon marathon runner's dream pretty much, just doing your reps around there and obviously long, long trails surrounding it if you want to go off road a little bit as well. So I feel like St. Moritz has, has done good stuff for me in the past and it's a place where I'll look to use a lot in the future as well.
0: Yeah, we had that answer a lot of of times before. People just seem to... Something something in the air at St. Moritz, maybe literally, because obviously the best athletes in the world do train there. So if you was to meet a beginner runner, Mark, in fact, no, not a beginner runner, any runner, how would you say to them, okay, this is how you improve at distance running. What are the fundamentals? So if you're listening, listeners... Get your notepad out because twelve fifty seven five k man and potential Olympic qualifier in the marathon is about to give you the gems.
1: For me, there's, there's two key components really, and these will sound probably counterintuitive, but um, strength is your best friend. You can you can never be strong enough. Um, so I'm not going to say to young kids go and run a hundred miles a week because that's stupid. But um, if you can be consistent on what you're doing, and even just go out and run run long, but if it's slow, that's totally fine. You don't need to be going knocking six minute mile in or whatever it may be. Um to develop the aerobic side of things. And then for me, like I said, it, it sounds stupid, but the, st- the the speed is something if you want to be successful on the track you you've got to have speed. Um and I feel like you can lose speed very very quickly. So it's always it's always important to keep in tune with that. So um, yeah i guess i'm saying go and run long and slow but at the same time within within the week at least once a week get a hit out of some good some good 30 second efforts and stuff on the, if it's on the track then get some good 200s 150s in just even if it's at the end of if you want to do it at the end of like that long that longer run um i think those those two complement one another as well the the stronger you get the faster you'll get so um i feel like those are my two key components um the fundamentals for, for running quick
0: love that love that so today's podcast is sponsored by koros uh who i know support you mark and we've been working with for a little while we're flying out to uh valencia marathon this weekend to uh capture a couple of their athletes in terms of data, I don't want to make you sound like a dinosaur, Mark, because you're, you're not old by any means, but you've been a professional yes. athlete now for, for some time. Um, you've, you've done the circuit. So data is something that you would have dealt with uh, for, for a long time now. How do you currently use data from your Coros watch and the app to, to help you improve ultimately?
1: Yeah, I feel like data has been around for a long time, but it doesn't really seem like a lot of people are too interested in it. Obviously, now with lactate testing and, yeah, even just things like the KOROS data on, on, on the app and on the watch, um, like something simple is how many hours of sleep you're getting and what type of quality are you getting within that, within that sleep for the night. Um, to me, I wasn't, I wasn't a big um, data guy in the past, but I feel like now with, with science moving forward that this course have done a great job of making things simple. Um, on their platform, but also making it very accessible for the user, So um, and very informative if, if you want it to be. So for me, a big thing I've been, is this, is the this sleep. Um, that's a big thing for me. Um, um, I need nine hours, and if I don't get it, I can, I can definitely tell. Um, so for me, that's one thing. And then even just as of late, heart rate is a big thing as well. And with the new um, art, the, the heart rate monitor on the arm instead of round round the chest is is a big thing for me as well so two things which yeah have i've been looking into is heart rate a bit more on with the strap on the arm and yeah ensuring my sleep is quality
0: and the training hub that coros offers is is so is so comprehensive i think oh, i've used different brands over the years but coros just seems to be almost a running coach on your wrist uh, and on your iPhone after training. But do you ever use the training hub at certain times of the season when maybe you're peaking for a race or, you know, I don't know, in the past when you've worked with coaches, is there any key metrics that you're looking at? Obviously, the pace and the splits, but anything right. that you're thinking, do you know what, look, this is this is telling me that I'm in shape and ready to race?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, with that hub on there, um, in the past I was... I was a Timex guy. I didn't have all this fancy stuff on my wrist. I just ran for time. Didn't know how many miles I run. Didn't know my heart rate. And I feel like you you become like you become into this like false sense of security where you you see everyone else kind of doing big stuff on if it's on Strava or whatever maybe, and you've got nothing to upload. Um, and you kind of want to feel like like you're involved a little bit, and you want to know people you want people to know you are training hard and you couldn't do that with a timex um so that is a good thing about it and like you said yeah with those with the metrics i look at i think that the training load is a big one for me um just the accumulation within within that seven day period i don't want to see huge jumps from one week to another i want the training load to be to be somewhere similar um and then like the performance metric if if you are coming into a race, it's it's nice to see the watch telling you you are in good shape and um, it knows you are ready to run well. And I think that's just something in the back of the mind which can help as well.
0: And you said about the sleep quality being important for you and we, we hear sleep is so important for recovery. It's kind of always been the number one thing that people are trying trying to improve. How do you use you know, looking at the 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 data and the numbers for your sleep, and that you have got the deep sleep and your light your lighter sleep, and and, uh, and then your sleep quality as a whole. Do you ever? I don't want to make it sound like do you ever freak out and be like, oh my god, I'm not sleeping very well, or I'm not recovered, etc. But do you ever kind of change the training that you're doing, or change the way that you're recovering, or incorporate anything into your into your week or your training months to say, right, I actually need to make a conscious effort to improve my recovery for the next one two weeks because I've got x race or big session coming up or anything like that
1: right yeah I mean for me it is it's just getting that nine hours and like I said if I haven't had nine hours I know about it and I do I can definitely tell on my runs like if it's a if it, if it's a, a morning run obviously a double and I haven't had nine hours I can I do feel a little different in that in that morning run and it's not something I want to put a lot of emphasis on necessarily but for me, I've got nine hours. Uh, I know I'm going to feel good and I'm going to deliver some good sessions. Um, so I don't I don't try and overlook it, uh, it by any means, but it's just small things like that which can make a massive difference in training. Um, so it wouldn't be necessarily I'll push paces back of a session um, if I've not slept nine hours or whatever it may be, if it's six or seven for a, for a normal person. Um, but yeah, I would, if I felt a little different, I'd probably be like, okay, I didn't sleep well last night or for a couple of nights in a row and to try and make a conscious effort to change that.
0: And in the past, Mark, you said you were using Timex. I don't know, I don't know if you go back even more years before that time and you was out in America. I mean, it's classic, isn't it? You know, when we're at university, we're, we're not always the most model, model athletes, you know, just kind of rolling out of bed and going for a run. But how would you say that, technology on your wrist through the Coros watch but also monitoring your training a little bit further has has helped you not just become a more efficient runner but a better runner
1: yeah um for me it's I would say for for other people for me it's not necessarily the case but a lot of people look for Strava to get that run in and because they don't they would they don't want to miss a night um and not upload to Strava so that I feel like it sounds stupid, but if that's what gets you out the door, then that's good. Um, and that's what technology is allowing people to do is to get out and showcase that they've been out and done this run or done this session. Um, but for me, it is all those little things added together, the, the sleep, uh, the heart rate, and all these little things which do enhance one as an athlete because, I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of science. It's backed by science, and that's kind of what's taken over overrunning at the minute all these double thresholds and there's a lot of things moving forward um which show if you if you do this you will become better so to me it's like it's a no-brainer why wouldn't you want that that little extra piece of technology on your wrist to to enhance yourself as an athlete
0: and final question on 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 koros mark what's your watch face right now
1: my watch face is um you know the two it's the it's the Ekadin one from Japan with the two were uh, handing over the baton to one another. That's my current one at the moment. Good minute. choice. Yeah.
0: Good choice. I wonder after Seville maybe they'll create a Mark Scott watch face. Yeah, we'll
1: see we'll see how it goes first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice one, mate. Okay, so we're gonna finish this interview off, Mark, with our quick fire questions. Um, we ask these questions to all of our all of our guests. So just just throw the first thing that comes into your mind. No pressure. Okay. So Number one, if you had a magic wand, what is one thing that you'd change in athletics?
1: Um I would get rid of super shoes.
0: Wow. That's the first time someone said that, and I like this. We're gonna we're gonna have to delve into this. Why why would you get rid of super shoes?
1: I feel just because not let's say maybe I want to run twelve fifty seven and then have the shoes, but I feel because there's so much like noise around them. Not a lot of people kind of know what they're really capable of at the minute, and it would be good to just get rid of them and see if people would train the same without them, and if they could run run the same times.
0: Get rid of super shoes. Get rid of VAR and football. Let's make it more wholesome.
1: (laughs) VAR doesn't even help at the minute anyway, does it? So
0: that's very true. That's very true. What's the best thing about being a professional athlete? Um, just
1: having freedom and being able to kind of travel the world and train in, train in a lot of beautiful locations.
0: And flip side, what's the worst thing about being a professional athlete?
1: Maybe running 120 miles a week. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that does sound like a lot of graft, mate. Yeah. You just must get used to just being knackered.
1: Yeah, all the time. It's kind of a constant feeling. And like that, like sleep's a big thing for me. That's why I need nine hours so I can
0: run that amount mile, of miles. What's the harsh truth that the running world needs to hear? The harsh truth?
1: Um... that natural talent doesn't always take you to the top i would i would say
0: print that on a t-shirt love that that's good and last question mark in 10 years time what is one thing that you would have liked to have achieved in your life
1: uh an olympic medal
0: oh okay nice 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 mark it's been an absolute pleasure mate thanks so much for joining us on the uh on the show today and uh best of luck at to, uh, Ribble, tank, Ribble Valley 10k, I should say, and Telford. And uh, yeah, full steam ahead to Seville. Thank you for joining us this week for another episode of the Trackster podcast, where we talk all things running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and everything in between. Big thank you to our guest, Mark, for his time on the show today. And if you have enjoyed today's listen, please do leave us a review and head over to our Instagram at Trackster to keep up to date with everything that we're up to. I've been Lloyd, your host for the day. I'll catch you down the road for a runner chat. But in the meantime, have a great week.